0: Across campus, online and on 1251 a.m. This, this, this is your student radio station. And a very good afternoon. It has just turned one o'clock. You are watching or listening to Insight here on Raw 1251 a.m. Depending on where you're getting your insight from, whether that's from our Facebook, YouTube or Twitter streams live or indeed on Mixcloud and Spotify, where you can catch up with any of our shows so you don't miss out. Um, Very, very hello. Very good afternoon. Hello to you. Thanks very much for tuning in. Um, This is obviously quite a, I'd say quite a stressful time for a lot of students at the moment, obviously impending essays and exams. Probably many people didn't want me to say that right now, but there we go. We can't avoid it. Of course, for a politics student like me, it is the most ideal thing to do to take a break from writing a politics essay to then go into talking about politics on today's show. We've got a lot to run through. Of course, it's a big set of elections this week. So we'll be talking about that very soon, including what elections you as Warwick students can vote in, and some of the big themes across the country. It was also Joe Biden's first hundred days last Friday, so we'll be talking a little bit about some of the successes, some of the challenges that face Joe Biden, and what, what lies ahead for the rest of the Biden presidency. Certainly, been quite different from the Trump presidency. That must be said. Um, just very quickly as well, though, obviously, Royal News has been putting out a lot of content over the last week. We had our interview um, with Johnny Jenkins speaking to Warwick SC President Luke Mepham, and we also had my interview um, with the winning University Challenge team. Please make sure you check them out there across all of our social medias on our Facebook, on our Instagram, and on our Twitter, which is just very, just very nicely scrolling along the bottom of the screen at the moment for our visual viewers. So, again, please check these out. And make sure to give a follow a subscription so you don't miss out on any of our content. OK, well, let's now get going with the show and start off by bringing in my deputy head of news here
1: at Royal 1251 AM, Will Kingswood. Very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you too. Just getting back into exams and essays at the moment. I've got like three philosophy essays to write in the next Ooh. week.
0: Oh you you have treated yourself very kindly there yeah. I must say. Um there's a few questions I'm going to be asking all the guests today because there's been quite I think two very topical and divisive subjects from the last week. So very quickly will. Firstly, what are your thoughts? I don't know if any you anyone saw Tony Blair's mullet barnet. I've I've had many people call it different things. I'm not a hairdresser. I don't know if there are any hairdressers watching, please comment, tell me what it is. What did you think of Tony Blair's
1: hair though? Um unique i think is the <laughs> first word i think of i did enjoy on twitter like the amount of comparisons that were being brought up i think i saw david Ike, peter stringfellow at one point it was just it was quite shocking because it's a big change from when what it was when we saw him last I, I i was
0: i must say myself i was getting a lot of michael heseltine vibes personally and of course speaking of twitter feeds one very divisive subject and we aren't going to give any spoilers to anyone including myself who has never watched line of duty and may do so in the future do you have any thoughts on last night's episode
1: i'm i'm a bit like you i've never really seen it Um, the only ways i've sort of been keeping up with it is on Gogglebox every week we always it's always (laughs) entertaining to see jenny with her notepad just (laughs) writing things down but it was interesting the reaction on twitter last night i feel
0: isn't that what everyone does these days just you know catch up on Gogglebox there's so many shows I can say that for um of course last week we introduced our new little segment here on Insight where we go through the news in 60 seconds so Will I'm gonna hand over to you my friend take it away
1: so obviously we had uh, Boris Johnson's flat in the news um it's now being investigated by the electoral commission but as to whether anything will come from that remains to be seen especially because the Johnson government seems to have an ability to shy away from any sort of repercussions, from any sort of scandal. Um, over in France, we had a, fr- a group of French generals calling for military rule to um, combat the spread of Islamic fundamentalism, and which is quite an interesting thing, especially to see in France. Because that's the sort of thing you'd see in definitely not in Europe and maybe in like Burma or somewhere like that. Then we have Biden's speech to Congress following his first 100 days, promising big spending throughout um America. Obviously, it will be interesting to see how they're en- going to end up paying for that in the long run. And obviously, in America, they're still having big um conflicts over the wearing of masks. Biden saying it was a it's a patriotic act now as opposed to sort of providing scientific rationale for it and then obviously we had the line of duty finale last night as, we, as, we've, as we've just mentioned earlier very controversial it was very interesting to see the reaction on twitter last night but i won't go into it any further just in case people haven't seen it and want to and that was the news in 60 seconds thank
0: you very much will i have to say my twitter last night i don't know if it's just because the fact that not, obviously many sports clubs haven't been posting over the weekend, of course, joining in a boycott of social media um, over anti-racism within football, but also just in general as well, it was just so, everything last night. Facebook, Twitter, even Instagram was coming up with line of duty. I, I don't. I feel like I'm really missing out on something.
1: I mean, it was just seemed like my for you Twitter feed was just like it was just descriptive words about how the reaction was i'm trying not to say more just in case people. (laughs) it's it's difficult i think to not give away spoilers
0: and of course i just have to reply quickly to enoch mcungu who has just commented in no enoch this is not an art show it's just line of everyone's talking about line of duty i feel i feel we can make give this a gratification of news of course speaking of comments if you are um Watching the show today, please leave your comments. Please get involved. There's a lot of things that we really want to hear your opinions about on today's show. Music. Welcome back to another week of Psychodynamics. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Vinny Show. You are listening to
2: Rockstar. And back to Casper.
3: Can't
0: get forget. Hello, guys. There is
2: a team spirit going
4: oh, on behind it. You're all rooting for each other. Oh yeah. Good sure That's it. Yeah.
3: I love the idea of popular films being nominated for Oscars. I
4: just think the style that Marvel has made has just put them like way above.
3: Speed. You must get to the maths and stats building using three different modes of transport. Oh
0: my god,
2: there's a trolley. <laughs> really, all about like educating, networking, and sharing our stories. I think the SU has a really uh, important role
0: in engaging students with politics.
3: News. Good
5: evening and welcome to the big decision.
0: Ben and Larissa Tide. This is your student radio station.
3: This is Raw 12. 1251
0: a.m your student radio station on 1251 a.m this is your role so let's move on then let's start off by talking about obviously the local elections and there is a lot of local elections in fact it's the biggest ever set of local elections taking place in this country of course every election that was delayed because of the pandemic last year taking place this year alongside many elections Um, that was scheduled for this year. Anyway, I believe it's the first ever time that the entire country is voting in a set of local elections on one day. Now, many people, turnout local elections isn't normally the highest in the world. Many people question its significance. So, Will, very quickly, why is it important to vote in a local election?
1: Well, I think it's important just because it is realistically the most direct form of government that we're going to have. It's the decisions that get made in your local area as opposed to getting made on a national scale so if you want to have a say in that you should definitely get out and vote in the local election
0: no absolutely and of course when it comes to um local elections there's um a few things very quickly to run through so firstly depending on where you live on campus you can vote in different local elections so if you live on campus or if you live in Coventry, you're eligible to vote for Coventry City Council. You're eligible to vote for the West Midlands mayor election, which we'll be talking about later, as well as the West Midlands Police and Crime Commissioner. Um, the first election for the City Council is like a general election. It's first pass, suppose you make one cross in the box. The other two elections take place under the supplementary vote system where you make a first and a second choice. In Leamington you have elections for Warwickshire County Council as well as if you live in Clarendon Ward and um, wards Warwick District Council you also have the election of the Warwickshire Police and Crime Commissioner and as well as that you have um the R- the Royal Leamington Spa neighborhood referendum plan as well again the county council and the district council are first past the post um the police and crime commissioner election like in Coventry uses the um supplementary vote system with two preferences and the referendum is a binary yes no choice um you can find out more about the elections On the respective council websites will be Coventry City Council, on Warwick District Council and Warwickshire County Council as well. And we'll also be putting up some links and reporting on some of the biggest stories in the local elections. Um, Before we move on to start talking about some of these elections more specifically, um, Will, what are the key trends to look out for in this set of elections?
1: Well, I think so far this set of elections is sort of going to look like uh, almost a referendum on uh, Boris Johnson's support. Obviously, we've had the news in the last few weeks about his potential corruption within the Conservative Party with Greensill, with the uh, Dyson, Dyson issue and um, with Boris Johnson's flap So I think that will really make the difference. And if you see a, like less Conservative support, then you might, mu- than may have been predicted, that might be the reason for it.
0: OK, well, Will, we will see you again very soon. Let's move on now to talking about the first key election group that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about three groups. And let's start off in Hartlepool. Now, technically, yes, this is a local election, but this is a parliamentary by-election. Um, and this, again, has quite significant ramifications, more widely linked to the 2019 election, but also a lot of the responses to that so let's bring in now three people to discuss that and again before we start i do have to very quickly get their opinions on of course the importance of tony blair's hair and on line of duty as well so let's start off with a Tees valley native charlie humphrey very Hello. good afternoon to yourself um great to have you on firstly tony blair's hair line of duty any comments
2: um tony blair more like tony black and um <laughs> line of duty never watched it unfortunately
0: I feel there will be many people right now who will be cursing at you. Sadly, yeah. we, we can't envisage any of that on air. <laughs> Oli Cranham Young joins us now. Very good afternoon you. to you. All these same questions: Tony Blair's hair and Line of Duty.
3: Well, you know I don't criticize Tony. Kind of, like, it takes me a lot to criticize Tony, but his hair was oh, it's just he it looks terrible. I'm surprised Sheree didn't say something to him. And Line of Duty, i kind of watched it. Again,
0: some very more disappointed people there, Ollie. And finally, our former station manager, pleased to have her on today, Sean Bolton, very good afternoon. Firstly, Tony Blair's hair and Line of Duty. What are your thoughts?
4: I like Tony Blair's hair. I think it looks nice. I think everyone's being really mean. Um, and then Line of Duty, I've also not seen it, but my um, boyfriend's <laughs> mum WhatsApped me her disappointment last night. But I don't know if that means anything.
0: I feel the consensus here right now is we all need to start watching line of duty which of course we'll have plenty of time to do in about a month or so right let's get going now on Hartleypool, um charlie let's let's i guess firstly start off with the 2019 election because i guess that's really the place to start with this yeah. um the rest of the northeast was part of the red wall that fell to the conservatives in the last election Hartleypool was an exception to the rule now you live in Darlington you're in one of those seats that fell in the last election um what do you think the chances are that Harleypool could turn conservative on Thursday
2: I feel like Hartlepool is a very despite being very close it's a very different area there's definitely a lot more economic disparity in Hartlepool than there is in Darlington Darlington is kind of like a bit bougie now but I think The changes that have been happening, along with the Teesside mayoral election, it's been seen like the Tories have been doing a decent job in the North, which I kind of disagree with. But it looks like there's not as much certainty that Hartlepool will vote Labour. I feel like there is a strong possibility of will vote Tory now and just fit in with the rest of the North now.
0: Well, it's important to say recent polling has given the Conservatives, I believe, about a five to seven point lead in Hartlepool. Of course, Darlington, you mentioned Darlington has previously had a Conservative MP before Mm. 2019, I believe, between 1983 and 1992 under Thatcher. Hartlepool, I don't believe, has ever had a Conservative MP. So that would be rather monumental.
2: This would be the first time Hartlepool would vote Tory. And that would be like, it'd be a shock, to be honest. Everyone is, Hartlepool is just labour no one's ever thought about it recently ever not being labour and it makes sense because it's a very working class very like industrious area so voting Tory which is very very uncharacteristic of the constituency would be it would be monumental
0: well Ollie again you have campaigned previously in many of these similar seats and Mm. of course I guess there's two real key trends that run through here firstly of course Boris Johnson's emphasis upon the levelling up agenda, of course, the hangover potentially from the Brexit vote as well, and potentially the vaccine roll. I guess that's one story you could bring on, but also the story surrounding Keir Starmer's leadership and trying to win back those seats that were lost in the last election. So I guess my question to you is, how do you think the election result will reflect upon Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer?
3: And well, I think the optics of it—if Labour don't win it—will be terrible because, as Charlie just said, it's been a Labour seat for goodness' how many decades. And if they don't, if they don't win it and win it comfortably, it won't be evidence enough. I don't think that think well, Labour has moved on from the 2019 result. I mean, there's 10,000 I think Brexit Party votes that are essentially up for grabs. And I just don't think that Keir Starmer has, since he became leader, has done enough to convince most of the, those people who those 10,000 people say to vote Labour again so I think for that reason I think the Tories will win it and I mean as I say anything other than a comfortable Labour victory will be seen as a damning indictment I think on the leadership but I think there are questions to be asked about the candidate that Labour have chosen as well I think this guy called Paul Williams who used to be an MP for I think somewhere else in the northeast, and obviously right doctor south, just down the road. There we go. And I know he. Um, I think he was seen as quite a big remainer throughout the last parliament as well. So I think that's going to help. or That's not going to resonate very well. But I think they're just kind of holding out on the hope that because he's a doctor, that might kind of swing some kind of. He'll appear as a doctor on the ballot paper. That might swing a few more votes towards him. But now, as I say, I think the Tories will win it, and it, it's not going to. If the optics are, it, it will be terrible for Labour.
0: Okay, well, I guess let's follow on from that point, because, um, of course, one of the big spoiler effects in Hartlepool in 2019, arguably the reason it might not have turned Conservative, was that Brexit Party leader at the time, Richard Tice, very influential figure within the Brexit Party stood in Hartlepool, gained 25% of the vote. Now, some have argued that that stopped the Conservatives winning that seat last time out. So, Sean, do you think the fact that there's no sort of prominent third-party candidate this time helps the Conservatives? And do you think perhaps the particular issues that are on the agenda, if it's COVID, if it's Brexit, if it's levelling up, what sort of issues do you think are going to benefit either party?
4: Yeah, I think the Brexit party not being on the poll is really interesting, because I personally think that um, voters that went with the Brexit party are looking for change in some way and that can be split into two groups that can be conservative voting groups or Labour voting groups um but there's a clear kind of consensus in the north that Labour's not pulling their weight um and it's kind of frustrating um to see that Labour could clearly see after 2019 um that there's a problem with the north and how they're connecting with the north and um the north feeling listened to um and it seems like Kia Starmer's not made any kind of big gains in trying to reach out to that, um, which I think is interesting. I think what's going to be up for grabs is so different depending on the type of Brexit voter that you're looking at. Um, but I think COVID is going to make all the difference with this one and how um, whether people have thought the Conservatives have done well with COVID or people... The problem is Keir Starmer's leadership on COVID hasn't been distinct enough um, to show like a another route out of COVID. So what are you really voting for if you're voting for um, a Labour seat? On COVID? I'm not sure. So, yeah, um, I think we'll have to see how it plays out. But I, I can see the Conservatives making gains on those Brexit party voters.
0: Well, I think it's going to be very interesting to see on Thursday night. Just very quickly one last question I'm coming to you on this Charlie. Um obviously we mentioned the Tees Valley mayoral election as well within this is taking place at the same time. Um obviously voters in Hartlepool will be voting in that as well as voters in Stockton, Redcar and Cleveland, Middlesbrough and Darlington as well. Yeah. Um internal polling the Labour Party had back in January put Ben Houchen on for a fairly comfortable victory. Do you agree with that?
2: Um I will quote my dad on this because he um he told me to register to vote, to to supposedly vote for the the elections. And what he said was that there's no, the progressive vote is fairly strong because there's no Green Party candidate, there's no other left-wing candidate apart from Labour. And then the Tory, but the Tory candidate has been perceived to be like quite reasonable, quite progressive in the last few years. And uh, considering how well Labour's been doing recently, I don't, I feel like there's a strong possibility that there will be a Tory mayor in Darlington and the Tees Valley, which... I am disappointed, but I'm not going to lie. The Tories don't really do anything for County Durham, but they're strengthening their grip on the area because the Treasury, the northern campus of the Treasury is there. They're cutting a lot of things there. It's not particularly great, but I can see that Labour is not going to do very well. It hasn't been doing very well for some years now.
0: Well, a full list of candidates in both elections are available online. The election takes place on Thursday. I am, I'm aware we do need to at least try and give a full this. so I will be publishing that in the comments throughout the show for both elections.
2: Raw Breakfast, the feel-good way to start your day. This is Breakfast Radio for work students, by work students. Playing the feel-good hits and brightening up your morning. Plus, we have the best gaps, games and giveaways to freshen up your stagecoach commute. Listen to Raw Breakfast every day from 8am.
5: Tickets, classic films, independent films, and the
0: latest your student radio station on 12 51
1: am this is your role
0: let's now bring in um one last year's other station manager station manager again this year and of course a very big line of duty fans so i do have to of course canvas her thoughts on that given that she has um actually watched the show compared to the rest of us here um lucy ferriby stocks a very good afternoon to yourself
5: thank you for having me
0: it's fantastic to have you on um same two questions obviously asked every guest um are we going to go to um tony blair's hair firstly and line of duty
5: Okay, Tony Blair's hair, I'm not a fan, I will admit. I, I do think he needs a bit of a haircut. I, I can see what he's trying to do. I know it's, we've all been in the middle of lockdown, but I, I think the guy, I think Sherry needs to have a bit of a word, you know, and uh, get that sorted out. Uh, I agree with what Ollie said there. And then again with Line of Duty, as everybody knows, I am a fan of the show and have watched from the beginning. I, you know, last night, I've, without any spoilers, I can I understand the dis- what some people are saying is disappointment. But I can also understand what has been done and why Jeb Mercurio has done what he has done with it. I think it's what you've got to think is the show is quite, he tries to reflect <laughs> the world we're in, we're in at the minute. So I think that should be uh, sort of bearing in mind. And also I'm just a fan of the show because loads of the actors in it, including Vicky McClure are from Nottingham. So I'm patriotic. <laughs> you know, I've got to have some benefit in there.
0: Of course, that is the most important thing. Let's now move on to another set of elections. Let's go on to the devolved parliaments now. And I guess there's a lot we could unpack from this. So, um, Lucy, let's start off with you. Obviously, the Scottish Parliament elections are taking place on Thursday as well. And um, polling at the moment seems to suggest that Nicola Sturgeon will be on for some form of either close to getting a parliamentary majority and forming a minority government or getting... A majority within Holyrood. Um, what 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 do you think it will mean for independence if these polls are correct?
5: If these polls are correct and she manages to get a majority, I think that that will be one of the top things on her agenda. Since the last referendum, she did not obviously, for obvious reasons, did not like the outcome, and sees sort of the current political landscape as being completely different as to what it was when the last referendum was had with us having left the EU um so i can see that being a priority i think what she's got to be careful of is that is it a priority for the rest of scotland and your average scottish voter because at the minute you know independence might be nice if you believe in that but under current circumstances with the pandemic what people are going to be going through so sort of what how are they going to live their jobs trying to find a sustainable future outside of the pandemic or moving forward with us having to live with COVID for a very long time I think that is going to be on the forefront of people's minds rather than independence so I think she's got to tread a very fine line for trying to balance that which I think is going to be at the forefront of many people to the independence vote and I also obviously from centrally within Westminster she is going to get Uh, a lot of opposition from the Conservatives. Boris Johnson himself was they are all advently against a second referendum in Scotland.
0: Well, indeed. And I guess one of the key defining points about this election is um, how the agenda is trying to be framed by both parties. And we've seen, obviously, the SNP of the Conservatives have both made independence quite a significant part of their platforms, obviously, from two very different sides. The Liberal Democrats have emphasised it as well. Um, The Labour Party, interestingly, um, Charlie, Anasawa, of course, new leader of the party from the start of the year, has tried to move the agenda away from um, from independence towards issues like the NHS, towards public services, particularly given COVID over the last year. And certainly going by polling at the moment, it seems to be working for him.
2: Well, it's kind of natural to think that because um, independence has been talked about so much, especially since like the last referendum, and it seems to be a bit of a pipe dream at the minute. I feel, whereas the pandemic is very much real, and there is a lot of pressure on the NHS, and that's like at the front of quite a lot of people's minds. So it's kind of natural that if you're driving, like I will improve these problems that are currently ongoing, rather than I will strive to maybe do something. Maybe it seemed it would. It would sway me definitely if I was voting in these elections.
0: Well, I just want to bring in um, Enoch Bakungu's comment now because I think this is rather interesting. So Enoch has said the problem for unionist parties, well, most just the conservatives, is that they have bought into the nickel majority equals independence referendum rather than trying to focus on social policy and reforms. Also commenting that a 15 year old government should not be this hard to run against. And I guess that's I guess he does make a convincing point there, Sean that the SNP have been in power for 15 years. There has been significant critique upon their record in public services, yet the emphasis from a lot of the parties has been on independence. So I guess that there is polling suggesting that if Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP do gain some form of majority or near to a majority with the Alba party potentially topping the pro-independence majority up, do you think there is potential for the Labour Party to become the second largest party in Scotland?
4: Um, Do I think there's potential for Labour? I'm not convinced. Um, I don't think that Labour could make significant gains in this election, but I could be very much wrong. Um, I think in terms of uh, Enoch's comment, um, I think definitely independence is the number one issue that's been framed in this election in Scotland Um, and I think that the problem for unionist parties like the Conservatives is there is a fear about it um, and they want to be able to stand against that maybe you have potentially more left-leaning voters who are unionist and they want to be able to vote for a party that is going to keep unionist Um, but also I think Um, I agree mostly with what Lucy was saying earlier, Um, but I also think that um, independence is such a major issue Um, in this election, specifically because of COVID. I think it's highlighted for the devolved nations just how much, um, in my opinion, the UK government is not out to protect Devolved nations, and we've kind of been on our own. And I think um, for devolved nations, it's given them the most power they've had in years. Um, So I think it's given a little taste of what independence could be like um, and how that system could operate. So I think it's become even more of an issue than it has been ever before, particularly in Scotland and in Wales.
0: Well, let's stick with you now, Sean, and let's talk about Wales, because obviously the Welsh Parliament is being elected on um, Thursday as well now polling there suggests that Mark Dreyford could be on for a similar result to what he got in 2016 either um, or the just close to securing a majority I believe just a small minority potentially a majority as well Um, his leadership ratings have been rather favourable people in Wales have genuinely or generally sorry responded well to his handling of the pandemic so do you think that that could boost Drayford potentially in getting a majority
4: I could be very wrong with my predictions of the Welsh government elections, but I think there is potential that this could be the first um, election in 22 years where Labour doesn't win a majority. They were, I think it was 30-30 um, in the last election, but I could be wrong, but it was very close down the middle uh, between Labour getting a majority or not. And I think um, where Nicola Sturgeon has probably made gains with support on leadership, um, I think Mark Drakeford hasn't come over particularly strong in some areas of COVID leadership. There's a kind of idea that we're always just two weeks behind what England does. Um, That's just my opinion. Um, I think that there is a need for looking at change. Like Enoch said, how is it so hard to run against a 15-year-old government? Well, in Wales, we're looking at a 22-year-old government. Um, And I think there is kind of rufflings of change, whether that could be plied or a Conservative gain in Wales. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know how it's going to go, but I think it could be very interesting how this election gets run.
0: No, certainly. And Charlie, um, I know you've got to go soon, so I'm going to come to you last on this point as we are pushed for time. Um, Of course, Wales was another region in the last election where the Conservatives made considerable gains arguably on the back of Brexit and also the unpopularity of the Labour Party at the time. Now, the Conservatives have ruled out going into a coalition agreement or some form of agreement with Plaid, if that means they get in, in the Welsh government. So do you think then that that's very much entrenched, that there will be a Labour administration of some form in Wales post-Thursday?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I know the Red War has also disintegrated quite a lot in northern Wales, so there definitely seems to be some Tory gains going there. But I think it'll be tight. I am not. Into- I can't divisively say whether I think that Labour or Tory will win the majority in Wales, mainly because I don't know much about um, how the Welsh devolved government works, but also it just seems like all these elections going on on Thursday are going to be surprisingly tight.
0: Well, I think it will be certainly very interesting to see how that goes. Um, Charlie, thank you very much for coming on the programme today. I know you have to go now.
2: Thank you for having me. Um, and it's been great to go on, um, but goodbye.
0: <laughs> no, thank you very much. And Sean as well, we will be seeing you again um, very soon. Now, um, I'm going to bring Will and Ollie back very shortly. But as I have Lucy here now, let's move on to um, the West Midlands elections and to London. We'll come on to the West Midlands very shortly, but let's start off with the London mayoral election. And I guess my my question to you is: it is it is it sir, is it almost a bygone, a foregone conclusion that Sadiq Khan will be mayor of London on Thursday?
5: That's that's the. I like how you start with these easy questions. Um, <laughs> the uh, I think that it's not as foregone a conclusion as was previously thought. So I do think that. The rise of sort of more in the fact that, that how long the ballot paper is for this current uh, London Mayor election, I think is evidence of that. The amount of people that are currently on this ballot paper um, sort of standing on completely different extremes, completely different policies. You've got the likes of City Card, you've got Sean Bailey, obviously the two heavyweights. And then you've got YouTubers joining. You've got Lawrence Fox. You know, you've got all sorts of different types of people sending completely different policies. So I think that that in itself shows that it's not a foregone conclusion. You know, there isn't a clear lead, there isn't a clear ideology or a clear uh, set of beliefs that people have complete faith in. Um, As other people felt, the need to stand forward and represent a certain group's um, thoughts or opinions. I do think it is likely that Khan will win the election. I do think that... That is looking more and more likely, but I don't think it will be as you know, as as big as majority as he would potentially like. And I do think that that is a result of the of other individuals standing. Obviously, they're taking votes from him. Obviously, uh, that's going to be the same for the Tories as well. They've got people that's such as Dominic Fox standing on a much more right wing agenda, um, completely against the current or the, the last year of COVID restrictions and the government's handling of the pandemic, whether you agree with him or not. But that is, again, representing a traditionally right-wing voting group, which won't do them any good. So I don't think it's a completely foregone conclusion, because I don't think Sadiq Khan is completely in the clear. But I do think that it is, you know, it's, it's heading in that direction.
0: Well, it's important to say that polling has put Sadiq Khan's um, first round vote down from 2016, although, of course, it is um, the supplementary vote system in which, of course, all candidates give their first and second choice preferences, and then second preferences are reallocated to the top two candidates if no majority is reaching the first round. And I guess... Will, there's a lot of diversity um, within the London mayoral election, as Lucy touched upon, a varied set of policies, a completely varied set of ideas being put forward as well. Um, Do you think perhaps that the London mayoral election will be an opportunity and perhaps where we'll get the most insights into particular opposition towards um, both the government and the opposition's handling of Covid
1: um, I think it's hard to say. I, mean, I do think Sadiq Khan will probably win. It might not be in the first round now, simply because of the just the support for some of the independent candidates. Obviously, you've got Nico Omelana, who's seemed to have galvanised galvanized the youth vote and sort of taking those votes away from Sadiq Khan. Obviously, you've still got Sean Bailey, who has had some interesting moments in the past in his campaign, such as uh, and he ignored a homeless man, which wasn't great to see um it's hard to say i really because i think the london election is a bit more isolated from um from like outside of uh like westminster politics especially because it's perceived to have a lot more power i think it's probably one of the most powerful positions like independent of westminster so i think what you're going to see is more of a referendum or more of an uh, opinion poll on how sadiq khan was doing but obviously i think enough people think he's doing well enough, so he probably will be re-elected.
0: Okay, Ollie, let's come to you now. Let's move on to the West Midlands. And I guess, obviously, we started off talking about the Red Bull. We're going to finish off talking about the Red Bull. Um, The West Midlands mayoral election in 2017 was seen by many um, commentators at the time as the first real example of the fall from, or the move of voters from Labour to the Conservatives over issues such as Brexit, And um, increased frustration with the Labour Party. Um, Polling is very tight, though. Andy Street at the moment, the Conservative candidate, has a small lead over the Labour candidate, Liam Byrne. I guess my question to you is, how do you believe this election is going to go? And also, um, what do you believe the wider ramifications are dependent upon the result?
3: Um, well, I think before before anything, I think it's worth saying that Labour should never have lost it really in twenty uh, seventeen when it was first fought. I think before, the polling ahead of that was kind of it was widely predicted that Labour, should, you know, it was it should be a merit that Labour should win, but then they selected a terrible candidate in Sean Simon, and the campaign was even worse. And as you say, the Tories ended up winning, and it was the time of it was convenient because I think it was a few days before the Tory campaign in twenty seventeen started to implode. So I think you are right when you say it was kind of an example of where the Red Wall first started. To fall but i mean i would argue actually that many years before you can trace back to you know, the first step so i mean it's i think this time around though i think it's going to be tight again i think if i had to put money on it which i'm not going to do but if i had to say one way or the other i think and she will probably um, retain it i mean i think liam Burns is a far better candidate for Labour this time than last time but i think overall last time there was about three and a half thousand votes in it which is extraordinary given the size of you know the electorate there but no I, I think I think it's interesting because he's always kind of image like his image has always been I'm not a typical politician like he used to be he was the managing director of John Lewis I think which you know was ironic <laughs> given recent events but no I think I think he will slightly I think we'll just edge it again and as I say when if Labour don't win it then it will just be another thing on top of potentially Hartley or not winning a majority in the Welsh Assembly, which will just kind of add more and more pressure on to Kia to you know and the idea that you know things haven't changed enough in a year and he needs to you know go further. But I think it's also worth mentioning that I think Labour's still in kind of a detoxification stage, not in a stage where they kind of I think it's too early personally to be reaching out to you know voters that they need to regain trust with. I think at the moment we're still in a phase of making the party just detoxify so i'm not making Um, we
0: appear to be having some
3: internet issues at the moment i think your
0: internet has just come back but um we're gonna have to move on now um to the obviously our next topic so um, again absolutely fine it's technology I, i am well known to not enjoy modern technology so there we go that is the local elections taking place on thursday you've heard all of the things across different elections across the country um of course remember that there are elections that you can vote in um as warwick students more details available on our website where will we be where we will be publishing the results across all our social medias as the evening unfolds looking for a bite to eat at the warwick su
4: daily specials and fine dining experience at the brand new canopy karaoke
0: pub grub and lager on tap at the dirty duck salad and sarnies to go in Ooh. the front oven or a latte link up at curiosity
4: there's something to suit any taste and any budget
0: and if you've got a big night ahead of the copper room start it right at tea bar with speciality cocktails best stop prices and our expertly stocked bar overlooking the the answer at warwick su outlets there's something to satisfy every taste your student radio station on 12 51 a.m this is your role let's move away now from the local elections let's move away from the uk let's go to joe biden now very quickly um his first hundred days um came to a close last friday where he gave his first address to a joint session of congress quite a lot to talk about really Um, So I guess, Will, let's start off with you because there's been a lot of people obviously talking about the Biden presidency, really expressing it as a very different presidency so far to Donald Trump's. Um, In what ways would you say that is true and how?
1: Um, I think you're just seeing more stability at the moment. I think, obviously, with Trump, you seem to not be able, able to go a week without some form of new story that implicated someone or something within its administration. And I think just this uh, new administration just seems a bit more stable. Obviously, they've got the benefit of having been in a bit of a recovery period so that everything's looking up covid wise they're getting vaccines rolled out quite quickly and obviously they've got the massive um, spending on infrastructure bills uh, that have been passed and I think another one is going to be passed or they're trying to push it through congress Um, it will be interesting to see how it goes over the next few months because once uh, covid's sort of like over and The spending needs to be paid for he might face a bit more opposition than he's currently experiencing at the moment
0: well it's fair to say that this is an administration that has got quite a bit done so far you mentioned the infrastructure bills you mentioned um the covid recovery package as well um lucy there have been many people who have said Many um on people on the left, especially the Democrat Party, who have said that they found Biden a lot more transformational, a lot more radical than even they could have possibly thought of. Um, is that something you would agree with?
5: The thing is, Biden was always going to have an incredibly big job to do. And anything that he did would be seen as transformational as compared to the previous four years um, with a Trump presidency. So I think that does need to be bared in mind. I... I don't think it's surprising in a way because this level of change was arguably needed uh, with the onset of the pandemic for America to start maybe setting a direction for coming out of the pandemic you know the sheer scale of their vaccine rollout has been immense and also as we'll talked about you know the amount of money that they are investing into uh, the COVID recovery and it's it's next level levels of funding that they are putting in that hasn't been seen before. You know, people are going back in the UK and in the US comparing this to sort of post-war time. And arguably it is, you know, with it's completely different, you know, circumstances, but the amount of intervention that is needed from a government during a time like this, both um, socially and economically, especially, is unprecedented. So I think, anything that Biden would have done would have been seen as transformational compared to the last four years. And I also want to acknowledge one thing, you know, it was the first time that a president sort of that podium and said, Madam Vice President and Madam Speaker at the same time, which I think, you know, as something else that is worth mentioning, it's a more positive side, I think, showing America moving in the right direction.
0: Absolutely. Of course, a very monumental moment indeed, um, for women in politics in the United States. Um, Sean. of course, as we, Lucy was talking about a lot of these developments that have been taking place under the Biden administration so far. We mentioned um, the spending at, on, I think, $1,400 given to every American as part of these packages, potentially up to £6 trillion of infrastructure spending being announced in that speech. Um, a lot of Republicans who had sort of previously found Biden someone that they felt they could compromise with, someone that they would sort of go eye to eye with previously, a lot of Republicans watching that speech seem to be rather, I I say rather demure reaction, one that wasn't seen to be best pleased. And of course, America being a society that does seem increasingly polarised politically. um, Do you think that the Republicans are increasingly finding that they're going to find less common ground under the Biden administration?
4: Yeah, so first off, I am notorious on Insight for being the politics student that doesn't watch the news. So I'm really sorry if um, anything I say is completely random. Um, But I think that the middle ground in American politics has been shifting for the last 20 years, and I think it will continue to shift. I think some of Biden's policies and announcements have been completely... um, I don't want to say radical, but on the radical side, um, for instance, his 2030 climate pledge, um, you know, I specialise in climate change, and I think that's uh, pretty awesome, but the fact that he's kind of uh, locked down the next 10 years of presidents to this kind of pledge is really interesting, and I can see how that would really bother some um, on the of the centre, Republicans even. But I think middle ground is is not happening in America at all. Um and Biden could have been the middle ground, but I think he's taken the chance while he has a, a democratic um majority in the House and Senate to really make changes, which I think's great.
0: Well, of course, as you said, the Biden presidency's obviously done a lot so far. But I guess looking ahead, what more can it do? Ollie. I'm going yeah. to put that question yeah. to you. Of course, oh, Biden yeah, presidency. I, I, I'm sorry, no easy questions on insight. Of course, we're 100 days into the Biden presidency at the moment, and we've started to see, for example, over the last month, some potential foreign policy issues come to the forefront with regards to Ukraine, with regards to North Korea and Iran as well. Um, of course, there's the continued infrastructure spending and how Biden's going to be able to carry that off. And there still remains questions over whether Joe Biden will be the Democrat Party, t- will be the Democrat Party candidate in 2024. So I guess, li- listening kind of over all of that, what do you think are the biggest challenges that are going to be facing the Biden presidency now we've got through the first 100 days?
3: Um, I think the obvious one is, you know, recovery from the pandemic because obviously we're not all safe until everyone is safe we? so as much as you know the US vaccination program has been well it's been amazing really hasn't it over the past um, since the beginning of the year I think there's still a long way to go you know in that regard and then I think going forward it's just the other big challenge of the day in terms of climate change and combating terrorism so you know I think it's not an easy challenge and I think having the pandemic on top of you know normal problems has been difficult so it'll just be interesting to see how um how things go over the next four years I think it is worth mentioning though that I think it was just brought up about the Democrats just having uh, the minority kind of swing in the Senate. And obviously in two years time, that might not necessarily have I got this wrong. If I have I completely, it's the House of Representatives, it's every two years.
0: House of Representatives every two years, but a third of the Senate does go up as well, and that, exactly. that could easily go back to and the Republicans.
3: And if that in two years' time goes back towards the Republicans, then, as I say, you might, you might find another brick wall like Obama did for much of his presidency. So I think there obviously there's a lot going through at the moment, and I think we'll see, it'll be like that for a lot of the next two years because it'll be a case of you know trying to get as much through as you can before the next set of elections. But I think so far, so good, really.
0: Well, it is important to say on that point that typically... Um, in the midterm elections at the start of a new presidential administration. It is the opposition party to the president that does tend to make those gains. So maybe Joe Biden does only have a year and a half to get his plans through. Um, Enoch Mukungu has just commented, and we're going to finish on this point, the voting reform has to be the chief priority. And I now feel like I want to have a cry because that is the essay that I now need to finish this show to go back onto. Um, Thank you very much, Enoch, for commenting. And thank you very much, um for watching and listening the show um wherever you have been today it's been fantastic to have your company again um make sure if you are eligible you've registered to vote to vote in your local elections this week as we said all the details will be covering it here on raw 12 51 am um thanks very much for your company i hope you have a lovely day and thanks for tuning in across campus, online, and on 12.51 a.m. This, this, this is your student radio station.